Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. I have been in the fortunate position of never having been caught at sea in a storm. Uh, I do, however, have an older sister who, when she got married, decided along with her husband that they would go on a cruise for their honeymoon. And my sister had never been on a cruise before and had never spent any significant amount of time at sea. And she went out on this cruise, and in addition to experiencing some kind of ordinary, kind of tempestuous uh, conditions, a couple of days into the journey, they hit a fierce storm, and my sister became gravely ill. And so she spent almost the entirety of her honeymoon either asleep in bed or bent over a toilet bowl, which I think you can agree is like not a great start, right, to the marriage and not the way you want to spend your honeymoon. And if you've ever been in an experience like that, you know how unpleasant it can be. And the point is simply that even the most enjoyable journeys in life can be interrupted by the most terrible storms. The fact of the matter is storms are an inevitable part of life, aren't they? And they can be literal or they can be relational. Storms can be financial or emotional. They can be circumstantial in a variety of ways. But like their natural counterparts, every storm of life is as disorientating and as frightening. And the fact of the matter is every single one of us at multiple points in our journey of life and faith are going to find ourselves experiencing the inevitable and unfortunate reality of the storms of life. And the question is simply, how are we going to navigate them? And what do we do when they hit? And so today we're kicking off a brand new little three-part series called Lessons from a Storm. And this series is in a lot of ways like our At The Movie series, only this time we're not at the movies, we're in the Bible. And we're going to be looking at three storm stories from Scripture that capture the experiences of three of our favorite Bible characters. And they are Paul the Apostle, Jonah the Prophet, and Peter the Disciple. And so if you are right now in the middle of a storm, then you are going to find this series deeply helpful. And if you're not in the middle of a storm, then take good notes because the clouds are brewing. <laughs> all right. Now, hands down, one of my favorite uh, stories in all of Scripture, my favorite storm stories, is found all the way back in the Old Testament in the little book of Jonah. And the book of Jonah is all of four chapters long. You can literally read it in 15 minutes. But despite its brevity, the story is jam-packed full of truth and wisdom that is so pertinent and so relevant to our lives today. And the story is all about a man, a Jewish man, who was called by God to be a prophet. And he was mandated by God to go to a particular people and to deliver this message of repentance. And the story is all about the rather unusual events that play out around his life. Now, I must say right at the start of the story, before we dive into it together, that for as long as the story has appeared in the Bible, there has been debate about how we should think about this story. Is it a literal historical record of actual events? Or is it some kind of extended parable that the ancient Israelites used to tell from one generation to the next in order to remind themselves of the missional mandate that they had as the people of God and what happens when they fail to obey that mandate. And the truth of the matter is the story kind of reads a little bit like both. And it's quite feasible that both are a possibility. In fact, in my theology, there's certainly room for both possibilities. If it turns out that this is an historical record of actual literal facts, then so be it, right? Because with God, all things are possible. <laughs> 
If God can raise Jesus from the dead three days after he was crucified, then God can certainly sustain the life of one of his prophets in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights. But if it turns out that this is some kind of extended parable that the ancient Israelites just simply told from one generation to the next in order to highlight the importance of their missional mandate as the representative people of God on earth and to remind themselves of what happens when they are disobedient to that mandate, then so be it. It doesn't make it any less inspired by the Spirit of God or any less authoritative for the people of God. The point is simply, this story is in the Bible because God wants it in the Bible. It is a Spirit-inspired story full of truth and wisdom and relevance for our life today. And God wants us to know and understand that truth regardless of what literary genre it kind of falls into. So if you are the kind of person, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, who has found it difficult to accept or to believe that some human was swallowed by a, a whale or a large fish to be more accurate and survived for three days and three nights in the belly of that fish. You can just, you know, breathe a sigh of relief because being a faithful Bible-believing follower of Jesus does not require you to take everything in the Bible literally, but it does require you to take everything in the Bible seriously. And the reason it doesn't require you to take everything in the Bible literally is because not everything in the Bible is literal. Everything in the Bible is vital, but it's not all literal. And so we take it all seriously, including this story. All right, so with all that said, let's dive in and let's read the story together. And then I'm going to share some thoughts with you from it. Jonah chapter 1 and reading from verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Now, Tarshish, by the way, is in modern day Spain. Uh, Nineveh was a city that was located northeast of Israel. Tarshish was located roughly southwest. In other words, Jonah is about to set out in the exact opposite direction to where God is sending him. So it goes on to say he went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the port of Tarshish. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Side note, uh, every time you try to run from God, you end up paying the fare. Disobedience to God always comes with a high price and inevitably will be deeply costly to you, as Jonah is about to find out. So it says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Verse 11 of Jonah 1 says, The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked Jonah, What should we do to you to make the, calm, the sea calm for us? And Jonah replied, Pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this storm has come upon you. So to cut a long story short, or maybe more accurately, a short story even shorter, the sailors agree reluctantly to throw Jonah overboard, and they do. And the moment Jonah hits the water and sinks beneath the waves, the Bible says the wind dies down and the waves settle and the storm subsides. And the sailors are saved. But for Jonah, the situation only gets worse 
Because the moment he begins to sink beneath the water, the Bible says God sends a large fish. I know we tend to interpret that as being a whale, but the Bible doesn't actually say a whale. It just says a large fish. So when you see Jonah and the whale represented in those kind of children's books that you read to your kids at night, that's artistic license, right? It's not what the Bible actually says. So God sends a large fish. Let's, for the sake of the story, say a whale. And this whale swallows Jonah. And for three days and three nights, Jonah spends himself, his time trapped in the belly of this whale fearing for his life and contemplating his fate. And while he's there, Jonah begins to pray and he cries out to God in repentance. And with brokenness and contrition, he says, God, have mercy on me, forgive me. And because God is compassionate and loving and kind, God forgives Jonah and God causes us well to vomit Jonah up onto the beach, not far away from Nineveh. And so God comes to Jonah again. And he says, Jonah, I'm sending you to the city of Nineveh and I want you to go and preach a message of repentance and warn the city of the coming judgment because of their great wickedness. And this time around, Jonah says, yes. And I think you'll agree after that ordeal, you probably would too, all right? So Jonah gets up and he heads into the city of Nineveh, goes through the city gates, goes all the way to the center of the city, freshly bleached in whale bile, smelling like the floor of a fish market, and he begins to preach his message of repentance. And lo and behold, the people respond. And they receive the message favorably. And they begin to repent. And they begin to cry out to God for forgiveness and for mercy. And the Bible says, God relents from pouring out His judgment on the city and the city is saved. Wow. Now you would think that the prophet of God would be pretty excited about that outcome, but not Jonah. No. Jonah is deeply angry. And the Bible says he's so angry that he walks out of the city, he goes up to the nearby hills and he sits down and he begins to sulk. And God comes to him and confronts him and Jonah, he says, Jonah, what's with the long face? And Jonah says, God, I'm angry and I'm disappointed. And God has this fascinating conversation with Jonah about his bitterness and his disappointment over how the situation has played out. And then the story ends. In this rather kind of abrupt fashion without Jonah ever experiencing any kind of change of heart, right? No change of attitude, just ends in a rather unusual way. A strange ending to a rather strange story. Now, you might look at that and you might think to yourself, well, it's a little strange that Jonah as a prophet of God was so reluctant to go where God had sent him. You might think, well, Jonah was just rebellious and stubborn and disobedient. But you would probably feel some degree of compassion for Jonah if you understood what it was that God was actually asking him to do. Because the city of Nineveh, was not an Israelite city. It was an Assyrian city. And the Assyrians were the sworn enemies of Israel. In fact, we know from history that the Assyrians were some of the most evil and violent people on earth at the time. And they were responsible for some of the most horrendous atrocities committed against the Israelites. So when God says to Jonah, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh and preach a message of repentance to them, that would honestly be the equivalent of God sending a modern day Jew into the heart of Syria to preach a message of repentance to ISIS. Like it would literally be the equivalent of God sending a modern day Ukrainian prophet to the center of Moscow to preach repentance to Vladimir Putin. It would have been a frightening prospect. So no wonder when Jonah gets that assignment, he says to God, forget it, I'm out of here, right? I am heading to the Spanish Riviera and I'm going to the beach. And if you're looking for me, I'll be sipping cocktails on the sand, trying to forget that I ever heard from you, all right? 
And I'm pretty sure you would do the same. Like before you judge Jonah too harshly, think about what you would do. If God called you to go to the center of Syria and preach a message of repentance to ISIS soldiers and you knew that you had heard from God, would you go or would you struggle? Would you say yes or would you climb on the first plane for Mexico and head for the beaches of Cancun? God, don't talk to me. I'm out of here. I'm not going where you sent. And so Jonah understandably is reluctant. But you know what I find astonishing? And this is so amazing, friends. This is mind-blowing. That as violent and wicked and evil as the Ninevites were, that was not why Jonah disobeyed God and why Jonah tried to run away from God. And you know how I know that? I know that because Jonah himself tells us why he tried to run away from God. Listen to what it says in Jonah chapter 3, reading from verse 10. It says, When God saw what they, the Ninevites, did, And how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened against that city. This greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God, slow to anger. And filled with unfailing love, you are eager to turn back from destroying people. So just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted is going to happen. Isn't that fascinating? That Jonah, despite the evil and the wickedness that the Ninevite people represented, Jonah did not disobey God and run away from that heavenly assignment because he feared the Ninevites. He ran away because he hated the Ninevites. It was his prejudice. It was his bias. It was his deep-seated nationalism and his racism that kept him from obeying God. Now again, before you judge him too harshly and too quickly, just stop for a moment and ask yourself the question, is there any bias in you? Is there any prejudice in you? Is there any self-righteousness in you that has ever kept you from doing what you know God wants you to do? Or from loving people that you find difficult to love? And Jonah certainly was learning a valuable lesson here. And the lesson was simply that you can never run away from God. You can never run away from God. Trying to run away from God is like trying to run away from your own shadow. Have you ever seen a toddler discover his or her shadow for the first time? Right? Inevitably, at some point, a child will walk out into the sunlight and for the first time discover this black thing on the ground behind them. And it's pretty frightening because they don't know what it is, right? And inevitably, they will try and run away from it. And it's kind of funny to watch. But you can't run away from your shadow. And trying to run away from God is like trying to run away from your own shadow. And what's fascinating is how God responds to Jonah's disobedience. Because listen to what it says in Jonah 1 verse 4. It says, Then the Lord, the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Friends, you see, the reality is sometimes the storms of life that you and I experience are really nothing more than the consequence of living in a fallen, broken, sinful, imperfect world. In other words, those storms have nothing to do with you. They're just a consequence of life. The reality of the imperfect nature of life. They're just the fact that sometimes bad things happen to good people and they happen to you too. Sometimes life just throws you a curveball and there's nothing you can do about it. And all of a sudden you find yourself in the middle of a raging storm. 
As you'll find out next week when you hear part two from Pastor D, sometimes storms come your way for no other reason than we live in an imperfect world. But friends, that said, sometimes the storms that you and I find ourselves in the middle of are the direct result of the fact that we have been disobedient to God. Sometimes they come about as a result of the consequence that we, for whatever reason, have chosen not to walk in the wisdom of God's way. For whatever reason, we've chosen not to stay on the path of God's truth or to stay in the, in the way of what we know to be God's will for our lives. And so while sometimes God will deliver you from the storm, at other times, God will deliver you into the storm. And the question becomes, well, why would God do that? Like, why would God allow a storm to come across your path and you to barrel headlong into it? And friends, the answer is because for God, storms are a means to an end. And that end is getting you back on track. Sometimes for God, the storms of life that we experience are His way of stopping us in our tracks and interrupting our misdirection. Sometimes storms are a way of God getting our attention and taking us off the path of disobedient self-destruction. And in that sense, storms are redeemable and storms are an act of God's mercy. And so Jonah finds himself in the middle of a storm just like that. And this is the big first idea that I think God wants all of us to understand and take away from this story this morning. And it's this, that life's storms are an opportunity for God to grow His people. Life's storms are an opportunity for God to grow us and to stretch us and to challenge us and to change us. You see, because I'm fully convinced that God sending Jonah to Nineveh was as much about what God wanted to do in Jonah as it was about what God wanted to do in Nineveh. Of course, God wanted to confront Nineveh about its wickedness, but God also wanted to confront Jonah about his prejudice. God wanted to do something significant in Nineveh through Jonah, but God also wanted to do something significant in Jonah through Nineveh. But Jonah wasn't open to it. Jonah wasn't receptive to it. And so Jonah tried to run from it and to escape God. But friends, God won't allow it. You know why? Because God cares more about the formation of our character than He does about the provision of our comfort. And sometimes God will allow you to barrel headlong into a storm when He knows that you are walking the path of disobedience or you are in any way walking against the current of His will or you are walking in a way that is disobedient to His way. He will intercept your life. And so when you find yourself in a storm of life, you have to at least be willing to ask the question, God, did I bring this on myself? God, am I in the middle of the circumstance because I have in some way been disobeying you? God, am I facing this circumstance and this consequence because in some way I have chosen not to walk in the wisdom of your ways? Because I've abandoned the path of your truth? Because in some way I've allowed unrighteousness into my life and into my heart? And friends, if the answer to that question is yes, you will know it. You will know it. You will not have to go searching beneath the surface of your life to try and figure out whether or not that might be the case. If you are in the middle of a storm as a consequence of your lack of obedience or wisdom, then you will know it without a shadow of a doubt. Right? Jonah was not under any illusion about why he was in the middle of the storm. He knew he had been disobeying God. He knew he had deviated from the path of God's wisdom and God's way. He knew it and you will too. 
And when you find yourself in a situation like that, the best thing you can do is what Jonah did. And that is cry out to God. Cry out to God in repentance. Cry out to God in contrition and in brokenness and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry for being disobedient. I'm sorry for not trusting you. God, I'm sorry for not walking in the wisdom of your way. God, I'm sorry for taking things into my own hands and trying to do this my own way. God, have mercy. God, have compassion. And the God who was compassionate to Jonah will be compassionate to you. The God who was merciful to a repentant Jonah will be merciful to a repentant you. And God will step into your storm and he will calm the waves and he will still the wind and he will bring peace to your circumstance. And God will reveal himself to you. And this, friends, is what I think is the second big idea that God wants us to take away from this story today. And it's this idea that life storms are not only an opportunity for God to grow His people, but they are an opportunity for God to show His power. Yeah, in the storms of life, God wants to challenge you and He wants to change you. He wants to stretch you. He wants to grow you. He wants to confront you. But He also wants to reveal Himself to you. He wants to show you something about His character and about His nature. Because the truth of the matter is sometimes, friends, it's only in the storms of life that we get to experience all that it is that God is capable of doing. If you think about it, it's only ever when you are sick that you have the possibility or the potential of experiencing God as healer. It's only when you are in need and in lack that you have the possibility of experiencing God as provider. It's only when you are like overwhelmed with discouragement or despair or despondency that you have the potential of experiencing God as your strength and your shield and your glory and the lifter of your head. It's very often in the storms of life that you see God showing up in the most powerful and the most wonderful ways and doing what only He can do. And I know it sounds like a little bit of a cliche, but it's true. God often does some of His finest work in your darkest hour. God does some of His finest work in your darkest hour. When your life is enveloped in the darkness of your circumstance, when you feel overwhelmed and disorientated by the situation that you find yourself in, when you're about to give up hope, and you're telling everybody, just let me go and give up on me, that's when you see God come through in the most wonderful ways. And that's why, friends, this is perhaps one of the most important lessons that we can learn from the life of Jonah. And it's this, that very often God is trying to reveal Himself through the very situation you are trying to remove yourself from. Sometimes God is trying to reveal Himself through the very situation you are trying to remove yourself from. In other words, if God has placed you somewhere, if God has placed you in a community, in a relationship, in a partnership, in an organization, in a position, in a ministry, and God is calling you to do something and be something in that situation and you find it too confronting or too overwhelming and you feel like God's asking too much of you, just stop yourself and remind yourself before you run away, before you book your ticket to your Tarshish, just stop and remind yourself that very often God is trying to reveal Himself through the very situation you are trying to remove yourself from. And stop and ask the question, God, what are you trying to teach me? 
what are you trying to show me? How do you want me to trust you? What is it I need to learn through this experience? Where is the wisdom that you want to impart to me? God, come and challenge me. God, come and confront me. God, change me. God, mold me, make me what it is you want me to be. And God, give me the grace and the strength to be faithful to what it is you are trying to do, not only through me, but in me. And as you pray a prayer of faith like that and you trust yourself into the care of God, friends, that's when you see God come through and do the most profound and wonderful things. Now, I have no doubt whatsoever that there are people here today and you find yourself right now in the middle of one of life's unfortunate but inevitable storms. For you, it might be a financial storm. It could be a relational storm. It could be an emotional storm. And it might be that that particular storm really has nothing to do with you in the sense that you haven't done anything to bring it on yourself. It's just part of the, the challenge of living in a fallen, broken, sinful world. And maybe right now you feel like your life and your heart is enveloped in the darkness and the disorientation of that situation. But it is possible that for some of you here today, the reason you're in the middle of the storm you're in is because you have brought it on yourself. You have deviated from what you know to be God's will for your life. You have failed to walk in the truth of His ways. You have not trusted Him. You have not leaned on Him. And God, like Jonah, has allowed you to barrel headfirst into a circumstance that is overwhelming you so that He can grab your attention, so that He can inter intersect your path, so that He can intervene in your misdirection, so that He can mercifully bring you back to Him. And if that's you today, the best thing you can do is cry out to God like Jonah did in this moment to say, God, I'm sorry for not trusting you. God, I'm sorry for not walking in the wisdom and the truth of your way. Have mercy on me. Have compassion on me. God, step into my storm and calm the wind and still the waves. Now, friends, He will. He will in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great resources and to keep yourself up to date, head to our website. Visit the Rocks dot church